Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, church. I'm glad to see you all here today. You need to help me this Sunday because uh, I feel I woke up this morning with a bit of uh, throat problem and I feel my voice is gradually leaving me. So I'll need your collaboration today. So forgive my voice. But it is good to be here. Uh, I'm not sure if um, you're very familiar with the what we call Christian calendar. And if you are, what day is today? What do we remember today? It's a Pentecost Sunday. And uh, of course, we as a Pentecostals, you know, it is a very important Sunday for us, but not just because we are a Pentecostal, because the gift that came with the Holy Spirit was something extremely important for His church. So I'm going to read something very quickly in Acts chapter 2. Uh, starting from verse uh, 1 down to verse 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like, a, like the blowing of a, of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And you know, my friends, my greatest desire is for us to experience this today. You know, the disciples that were gathered together praising God and the Holy Spirit came. We are gathered today in His name and we know that from the Bible, the Bible says there were two or three are gathered in my name. I am going to be there. So the Lord is here among us. That's for sure. Yeah. And I really would like to encourage you to have an open heart, an open mind today. And to reach out for this wonderful gift that God has for us, for the church. And we will later on speak a little bit about this. But I really want to encourage you as we worship today to think specifically about this. Maybe you've been baptized in the Spirit. Maybe you need to be refreshed. Maybe you're not being baptized. You're seeking. Whatever you are, whatever you are, God has something prepared for you this morning. Why don't we all stand up? And just, we you know, we're going to approach the Lord. We're going to spend some time in prayer. We're going to spend some time in worship. We're going to spend some time in the presence of God. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to move in us you see, he is already here, but he, can't, he needs an invitation, you know, that we allow him to move in our life. You see, he cannot do things that we don't allow him to do. He cannot change things in our life that really we don't want him to change. So I want to invite you just to approach God like a blank canvas this morning and say, God, would you paint, paint something beautiful in me today? I want to open my heart. I want to open my life to you. So Holy Spirit, we are here together today. We are here all together today to worship your name. Holy Spirit, we are all together here today because we want to receive something fresh from you, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, 
for all of us here. You know our hearts, you know our mind, you know our lives, you know our situations. We know what we left back home. You know what is expecting us when we, go, when we will go back after the service. You know everything about us. You know what we think when we wake up in the morning. The first thoughts that comes in our mind. You know what we think when we lay in the evening to sleep. You know all things about us. And Lord God, I want just to pray, have your way among us today. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in our lives, in our hearts, in our mind. Your presence, your touch, fill our life. We need more of you in us, Lord God. Less of us and more of your presence. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to move around us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Jesus, we thank you, Lord God. Won't you raise your hands just like I'm doing, just like these or like that? Just raise your hands as a sign that you're opening your heart before God this morning. As a sign that you desire more of Him in your life. Lord God, we pray today as we're here together that you will Feel afresh, each one of us. Holy Spirit, that we will be completely submerged by your presence. Take over our lives, take over our minds, take over our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are precious and wonderful. We thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We desire more of you in our life, God. And forgive us for how many times we put limits, we put boundaries, we put um, like limits to what you can do in us and through us and around us. We want to open our hearts today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here among us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't you all sit? Amen. <clears throat> My voice is lowly, <laughs> especially after singing. But anyway, I'll, I'm going to make it. Now, uh, we've got a few notices. I think I'm going to start with finding my phone because my notices were there. <laughs> there goes my wife. Okay. Now that I found my phone, well, the first one, important, is we are finally here. Uh, next, is it next Saturday? We've got our family fun day in church next Saturday. So we're one week away. Uh, I've approached those, those who will lead different activities and groups and CAF. Um, and they will probably try to uh, reach out to some of you in the church who want to join different teams to help out uh, throughout the event. So those who are doing anything, what, it doesn't matter what you do, if it is the coffee or the setting up or, or other things, uh, I would like you to come in church at 9 o'clock, if that's okay with you in the morning, uh, so that by 11, you know, we, uh, we, we are ready to start. You know, we, because we are here, we don't need too much time to organize all the things. That, you know, we will also do something on Friday. But if you can come at least a couple of hours before, uh, that would be great. So we're going to start 11 o'clock, the event, yeah. Starts 11 o'clock, finishes at 2 uh, p.m. Uh, there are still some leaflets available in the CAF if you want to grab all of some of them 
to give out to your neighbors, uh, to your friends, or whatever, you know, people who may think that are interested to come. And, um, um, and as well, of course, we will have the students here, the IBTI students who will, uh, or IBTC now, college, change their name. They will come here, eight of them, plus three members of staff to help us out. They will stay with us uh, throughout the event. Um, and then on a Sunday uh, morning, they will uh, be uh, leading worship and sharing uh, maybe an item together with us and a couple of uh, testimonies. Um, and we, find, we managed to find an accommodation for all of them. So just a massive thank you for those who opened, you know, your, your house to, to host uh, the students. So thank you so much. I've got um, some list I've prepared with a program. Uh, if you can approach me at the end of the service, I'll give it to you so you know what's going on. Now, Anna, why don't you come and do the um, notice, the, the, sorry, the um, announcement about the family. Good morning. I also got a scripture. Sam thinks I only got a notice, but I do have a scripture yeah, I'm to go sit with down the notice, there. if that's okay. <laughs> I know we have been announcing this um, for the last three, um, three weeks. Uh, we're going to do um, four um, specific meetings for parents um, on godly parenting. Okay, and um, I've just wanted to read the scripture to you this morning. It's from Judges chapter 13. Now, Judges is an interesting book. You come across all sorts of stories. Sometimes you read the story and you think, oh, well, this is, this is interesting. This is, this is really cool. And um, there was this one of the judges in the long line of judges was a judge called Samson. Now, um, you, have to, um, you have to know that in those days, um, there, there were no kings um, and the people of Israel uh, were leaving the Lord. Start, they, start, they would start to worship other gods, idols. And then God, uh, whenever they would sh cry out to him because they were oppressed and in trouble because of their idol uh, idolatry, he would then put in charge a judge who would save the people. And while the judge was alive, the people of Israel would do well. And then the same thing would happen again when the judge was gone. Unfortunately, the people of Israel would fall into, into disobedience again. And um, right here in chapter 13, God is preparing a new judge, right? So Samson is not born yet, but this is what and the Bible tells us about Samson's mom and dad. Okay, so first one, it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And here it comes. A certain man from Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her, so to the wife, and said, you are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Right, so what a joy to the family. Okay, we have a couple um, in the church who were waiting and waiting and waiting, and now they have a daughter, <coughs> Garrett, <coughs> waiting to meet Adelia. <coughs> but, you know, it was such a joy when they shared the news because they prayed and they waited, and then the joy came, right? And so then, um, so the Lord appeared to her and said, you're sterile, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat 
anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is going to be a Nazarite. And then the scripture goes on and it basically describes the wife going back to the husband because remember the angel appeared to the wife. So the wife runs to the husband and gives him the news, we can have a son, right? Um, and then she tells him everything that the angel said, the rules and the instructions. But then in verse 8, the Bible says, then Manoah, that's the dad now, right? So mom got the news, mom met the angels, but what does dad do? Okay, dad goes, then Manoah prayed to the Lord and he says, oh Lord, I beg you. Let the men of God you send to us come again and teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Now, I think this is very interesting. The reaction of dad is interesting, right? Dad says, it is not enough that mom had all the instructions. He says, I want to be really purposeful about our child. You know, I'm not going to run to the psychologist. I'm not going to look up on Facebook what the best parenting method is. And I'm not going to consult the teachers. You know, I'm not saying this is wrong. It's fine. It's a good thing to search for help when we need help. But the Bible just shows us that the first source we go to is the Lord when it comes to parenting. But this is not it. Then, basically, then... The Lord says, okay, that's fine. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, he, he's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. And then Manoah gets up, and then he says, are you the one, speaking to the angel, who talked to my wife? I am, the angel says. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy's life and work? And so it, the Bible just says, God grants the request of, of the desperate dad who wants to do the right thing with their children. And I love the scripture because it just shows how, how um, what's the right word, how we can raise up our children with purpose, with a vision, with a goal. You know, we can have um, all the help we can get from the earthly resources, but God wants us to go to him. And, you know, we, Sam and I, we have been in places where, you know, we have two little children. Well, Josh is, is nine. Sorry for calling you little. Uh, but, you know, we have situations where we didn't know what to do. And it's so tempting to just go and the internet and look things up and I just with this four meetings that we're going to have starting from next week we want to do exactly that we want to be intentional about what we do as parents so if you are a parent or a parent-to-be or if you're a grandparent it's open to everybody if you're a kid's work if you want to come we're going to have Ken and Val Sarah and Steve and then Sam and I we're going to do the last session and we're going to be real about our struggles as parents and we're also going to look at what the Bible teaches us about discipline, about values, about rules, about boundaries, um, and about all of those things that we might 
struggle with in our everyday life. So it's going to be the, the next four Sundays, so not today, but starting next week on Sunday, and then every Sunday throughout June at 6.30. You can bring your children because there's going to be childcare, um, and we were hoping that 6.30 would be early enough for even for those with little children to be able to attend. Yes, applause for Thank you so much, Anna. I'm looking forward to this. <coughs> I always say it's like, you know, the word is full of, the word of God is full of advices, just, you know, parenting and, you know, capital relationship, everything. So it's exciting whenever we approach the word to find some answers for our day-to-day -day life. Now, I just I also want to add to what I was saying, and I've got as well something I'm going to keep for the end. Um, we've got the life groups are starting soon, so it's not this coming week, the following one, uh, which is, um, uh, yeah, the first week of June, um, and there are some lists at the back, if you didn't sign up for your, for your life group, you can sign up there, there is uh, one list specifically uh, there for the first step course, first step course is, uh, is designed for maybe those who are coming out from Alpha, or those who are new to the faith, and, and would like to understand more about the basic of, of what we believe and where we stand in relation to the Word of God, to, you know, to different things that we do in church. So, you know, that would be a wonderful, um, a wonderful course for you to attend. All the dates are there written, and there is a graphic as well be behind me. Uh, you can sign up as well on the website if you prefer, but it would be great. It's, it's, it's good to get together also during the week, uh, you know, and to, uh, to have fellowship together. 9th of July is a Baptism Sunday. Now, yes, so I want to encourage you, if you are a child of God and you've not been baptized yet, uh, and I'm not speaking about the baby baptism, I'm speaking about the baptism where you understand what you do, um, you know, we, I call it sometimes adult baptism, you know, uh, that does not necessarily mean a certain age gap, yeah? But what I mean is a baptism where we understand, okay, I want to be baptized because I'm a follower of Christ. So if you have not been baptized yet and you would like to be baptized, just please come and talk to me and join already the group of people who have expressed that desire. So that's going to be Sunday, the 9th of July. Colin Cooper is going to be our guest speaker. Um, it's going to be a very evangelistic Sunday. So if you want to bring, uh, you know, um, people along with you that maybe they never heard about Jesus, that would be a wonderful opportunity for them to, uh, to hear about, about God. Um, and one last thing is like church lunch next Sunday. So uh, you will receive a phone call during the week. Uh, there is going to be Tina, Val, Anna, and Sarah will uh, do some calls uh, to organize the meals. Uh, we're going to have a church lunch after church. The students are going to be with us. Um, and uh, so we're going to have some fellowship there together. So why don't we take our offering? Um, we can have, you can give by cash. You can give by card at the back. Or you can scan the QR code on the display to give online. So why don't we start? Um, I just want to kind of carry on from where I left last time I, I spoke here, and um, which was a couple of Sundays ago. And um, it's going to be the last for that series. We were looking together at some of the characteristics uh, of the church. And uh, we were reading, uh, we've been reading a, a scripture in Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 and 47. We are going to read in a moment. 
Um, but, you know, the whole point was like that the church is not really an organization, but we call it an organism. An organism is something that develops, something that changes, something that grows over time. So it's not something that is uh, static uh, throughout generations, throughout countries, throughout cultures. Uh, change is probably one of the things that, uh, you know, went through so many changes you know, over history, depending from culture and countries and, and so on. So the church is an organism. And, and we looked in, uh, in Acts chapter 2, 42, 47, some of the, uh, characteristic that the early, characteristics that the early church had in order to be this um, growing organism. And uh, I'm going to just read quickly uh, those verses. So starting from verse 40, 42, uh, they, the disciples or the people who belong to the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And in the first Sunday, we spoke about the fact that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and we draw a parallel with us today, how important it is for the church to be devoted to the Word of God. Uh, we, we might not have the apostles around us, but their teachings are still there, you know, in the New Testament. But we've got even the prophets and the old, the old you know, uh, the old um, uh, Bible that is there for us. And we need to, the important is to be uh, devoted to it. And, and then as well, we, we looked in, uh, last time about fellowship, but on, under the key of finances, how they were, you know, managing their finances in the church. And, and today I want to stop on the last one, which is prayer. They were devoted to prayer. And remember, we, we gave a devotion uh, to, uh, we give a definition to the word devotion. And we said the devotion is like to have a profound dedication to something. So the early church had a profound dedication to prayer. And then they were seeing what they, were, what they, they saw. And the reason for that is because they, were, they had a, pro a profound dedication to prayer. That was the only reason for that. Uh, and if I, I, I do believe that sometimes we, we do lack a lot of profound devotion to prayer. And that's probably the reason why, you know, sometimes we wonder why we don't see the things that we read in the book of Acts. And uh, I always, uh, you know, I like to challenge, you know, the people who question, why well, I don't see it and see. It's like, are you, are you devoted to prayer, communal prayer, not speaking about uh, praying on, uh, when we pray on our own, they were coming together and praying together. By the way, thank you for those who came out yesterday night for the prayer meeting. It was a wonderful time together. So they were devoted to prayer. But today, as a Pentecost Sunday, I want to speak specifically about the Holy Spirit because it, it was in one of these meetings when they were coming together, worshiping and praying God, they actually they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to focus on these. And then uh, halfway through June, I will start a new a series specifically on prayer. We will speak about how do we pray through all the seasons of our life. Um, and uh, at any time, if you would like to catch up, by the way, on any of the previous Sunday you missed it, you can follow up you know, on the Facebook. All the sermons are there. Or you can follow up our podcast. We have a podcast 
for those who are interested, for those who li like me who like to listen while you walk or while you do go to the gym or do other things, you can you know catch up on the pop podcast. Now, I want to speak about the Holy Spirit because it's, it was in one of these meetings, you know, is the beginning of chapter two when they received the Holy Spirit. They were going together. They were devoted to prayer, and it was in one of these moments together that the Holy Spirit came on them. And um, but before going and to speak specifically about the baptism in the Spirit. I just want to clear a few things about the person of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes there is a lot of confusion, you know. We, we are used when we, to pray, we say, thank you, God. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Um, but the Holy Spirit is almost, we're not used to say, well, thank you, Holy Spirit. You are not used to pronounce the name of the Holy Spirit as often as we do for the name of God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son. And so I think the first thing is, I think, to clarify a few things about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you, a few things that you don't know, maybe things that you already know, but it's good to refresh. So first of all, He is God. The Holy Spirit is not a force, He's not an, an energy, but He is actually a person. You know, He's part of the Trinity of God, so He is God Himself. He has an intelligence. He, uh, he has feelings. The Bible says that we quench, that we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can, uh, sorry, we can upset the Holy Spirit. Uh, so he has, he has feeling, he has, he has a mind as well on his own, he has a will, and, and he's a person, part of the Trinity of God. He is God, in, he himself is God. Um, he dwells in all, in all Christian, in all of us. When, the day when we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in our life, and he's there, he's like a deposit of guarantee of that we belong to God. You remember when uh, some time ago, I don't know if you remember, we spoke about uh, the Jewish wedding, you know, for those who got a good memory. For those who don't, you can go and listen back. Anyway, we spoke about the Jewish wedding, and we, and we saw together that when, at the moment of the engagement between uh, a man and a woman in the Jewish culture, that was really the first act of marriage. And you remember what happened? The man would, um, would leave like a token to his um, um, bride-to-be, and he said, look, I'm going to give this to you as a sign that I'm going to come back for you, because I've got something to do. And then the groom would go and prepare a place, you know, uh, for them to leave after the wedding, after the wedding was finished. But there was a deposit that was left, uh, you know, to the bride to say, like, you belong to me, you are taken, you know, you are mine. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. When we believe in Jesus, He comes and dwells in our life, and it is like a deposit, like that is a confirmation that we are not on our own, we belong to God. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, we read the following. And you, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal. You were marked in Jesus with the seal and the seal, what was the seal? The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of His glory. So it's like the Holy Spirit is like, is like a mark, a seal, you know, of what? A deposit of a guarantee of something that is, is still to come. Jesus was going to come and take His church, and we're going to spend eternity with, with Him. We belong to God, you know, and the Holy Spirit in us is there to, um, uh, to give us the confidence that we are now children of God. The Holy Spirit does also a lot of other interesting things. It, the Holy Spirit works for, for the Christians, but as well works 
for those who don't belong to God. He is constantly at work in the world doing different things. And uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to read in the world. So I'm speaking about non-Christian, non-Christian people, people who have not yet given their life to the Lord. In John 16, verses 8 to uh, 11, this was Jesus speaking to his disciples. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because they do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will not longer see me. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world has been condemned. So he is working in the world. And he, the, the, what the Holy Spirit does, he convicts people of three things. Of sin, that they are sinners, that they cannot do it on their own, that they need God. You know, when we, whenever we speak, you know, I speak from here, whenever we speak about, with our friends about Jesus, we're just, you know, the means, we're just bringing a message across. But then there is the Holy Spirit who works in the hearts of people, and actually He convicts them, He convinced them that, look, you need me. You know, and, and this is what the, he, he, the Holy Spirit does. He convicts the people of sin, you know, of righteousness. He's like, look, that's the righteousness of man, and the righteousness of God is not, is, you cannot even quantify. There is too much of a difference. You know, and that's why Jesus came to die, to, you know, to bridge this gap, you know, and as well of judgment, that there is a judgment pending over the heads of those who don't belong to God. If you don't follow me, your life is not going to end up when you, end, when you will go in the grave. After, there is the eternity and there are two options. Those who are belongs to me will spend eternity with me. Those who don't belong to me will spend eternity in hell. A terrible place. So what the Holy Spirit does for those who don't believe in God, He goes around and He convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world of righteousness and of judgment. He works in the life so that they open their eyes to see because He wants to save them. So He works in them, you know, you know highlighting the fact that they need God. But then as well, the work of the Spirit carries on after, you know, someone finally decided to open their hearts and, and to embrace what Christ has done. And we become children of God and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our life. The Holy Spirit, you know, ch- you know carries on working in the hearts of people, but it does a completely different work. Now, because we are children of God, He gave us that assurance that we belong to Him. That we, as I said before, that we don't belong anymore to the, uh, to the world. In Romans 8, 15, 16, we read, The Spirit you received, you know, that's not the Holy Spirit that you received, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear and anger. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by, and, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So you see, this is important because sometimes as a Christian, we go through times where we feel that, you know, God is far away from us. We don't know exactly where we stand. We go through difficult situations, difficult problems, and we question things. But the Holy Spirit is in there saying, look, you are a child of mine. You know, you still belong to me. Just trust the process. I know you're going through a difficult time. I know maybe it's a bit hard. It's a bit difficult right now. It's a bit painful. But nevertheless, you are a child of mine. I love you. And I know where I'm bringing you. Just trust me. You know, and this is what the Christian experience, when, when they're indwelled by the experience, is that assurance that we are God's children. That we belong now to God's family. 
So there is a work of conviction when you don't belong to God's family. A work of conviction that's saying, look, you need to come to me. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. I love you so much. I don't want you to be in trouble. I want you to, to be with me. Come, come, come. And the Holy Spirit works and works. And then when we finally go to the Lord, say, now you belong to me. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to hold you in my hands. You, we are a new creation, forgiven and free from judgment. You know, all the things that we read in, in, uh, in John 16, 8 to 11, as the, you know, the world, uh, as the Holy Spirit convinc convicts the non-Christian people that they are judged because of sin, when, they, when He showed them the righteousness of God and the righteousness of man, so when we become God's God children, the work that, he, that God does is the opposite. He said, yes, you're a sinner, but you're forgiven. Yes, maybe you're not perfect, but you're righteous to me. Yes, maybe, you know, you, you don't deserve to come with me, but nevertheless, there is no judgment over you. I pay the price on the cross for you. So it does a completely different work. The Holy Spirit helps us as we walk through life, as we experience different things, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. I just want to read something again here, John 14, verse 16. This was Jesus speaking uh, to His disciple, and He was speaking about the Holy Spirit, yeah, that was not yet come on His disciples, and, but Jesus was already preparing them. And He said, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate, or another helper, depending on the translation that you have, to help you and be with you forever. Now, you see, Jesus knew that he would have not stayed with his disciple forever. He knew that he would, he would have, he was, you know, some, uh, some time, not a long time, in a not long time, he would have died on the cross, and then he would have resurrected, and then after some time he would have ascended back into heaven. So he knew that he could have not stayed there with his disciples. So he, he was preparing them uh, because, you see, you can imagine, you know, how, you know, it could be something sad for them. Imagine, they, they experienced three years of their life walking with Jesus and seeing the miracles and, and, and experiencing Jesus as the one who was provided, providing like food to eat, uh, providing wisdom and teaching and healing the people. He was doing all kinds of stuff. And they, were, they, were get, they, were, they got used to have Jesus around. And imagine how perhaps painful would have been for them, you know, to think that, you know, Jesus would have been taken away from them at one point. But Jesus was saying, look, I will send you another helper, another advocate. And the, work, and the word here, another, is important. Uh, the word another is a very important one. And I want to stop here one moment. Because when you go back in, into the, in Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek, you've got uh, two words uh, to, uh, for the word of another. The first word is alos, and the second word is heteros. So alos means another of the same kind. Heteros mean, means another of a different kind. Yeah? So uh, when they speak and when they use the, depending what they want, if they want something similar, something of the same kind of something, they, they use the word alos for another. If they want something completely different, something that is strange to them, they use the word heteros. And now it's interesting because when you go the, you know, in the, into the Greek and the New Testament, the, the word that Jesus used here, you know, when they, when they reported, uh, in writing in Greek what Jesus was saying, they used the word alos, another of the same kind. So Jesus said, look, uh, he knew that he, was, he would have been gone soon. And he knew that it would have been painful. 
for his disciples to, to be uh, detached from the one who was there to heal them, to provide them, to teach them, to guide them, to do all the things that Christ did. But Jesus said, I'm going to send you another, Alos, another of the same kind as me, who will be for you forever, the Holy Spirit. And listen, He's going to do the same things I'm doing here. He's going to be with you wherever you go. He's going to provide you. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide your step. He's going to be with you. Actually, it's, it's even better because, you know, Jesus, although He was the Son of God, He had one limit. You know, God, Jesus was the Son of God, and yet He was not limitless. He had one limit. And His limit was that He could not be everywhere at the same time. He was with a human body, so if he was talking to me, he was not there talking to someone else. He could have not been in, in, in another country or another you know, place talking and doing other things. Jesus was one person doing wonderful things where he was, but, very, but limited to the fact that he couldn't be everywhere at the same time. But the Holy Spirit, because his spirit, you know, he's like he's everywhere, working in the world every, all the time. You know, with all languages, with all races, with all cultures, with all, you know, uh, you know at, at the same moment, simultaneously, in the life, in the hearts of people. But it's, it's, it's the same kind of, of, of you know, the same, doing the same kind of, of stuff that Jesus was doing with his twelve, but in a much larger scale. You know, and that's why the Holy Spirit is important for us. He's going to guide us, his church. He's going to be always with us. He's going to provide to us. Another of the same kind will come, an helper, an advocate, and he will be with you forever. Now, in John 20, 21, 22, I think it's uh, in the Bible, it's the first time where the disciples receive this indwelling of the Spirit. Yeah, they receive the Holy Spirit in their life. We read uh, again, Jesus says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And, we <clears throat> and with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, what do you think the disciple got? The Holy Spirit. Did Jesus get what he wants, right? <laughs> So he said, when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, they, they, for the first time they tasted that indwelling of the Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, it was different. When you wanted to, com to communicate with God, there were, the, there were the prophets were appointed by God to speak on behalf of God, to guide the people of Israel. You know, there was almost a, a detached relationship between the people of Israel and God. You know, they were close to God through the temple, to the high priest, to the priests, to the prophets. Yeah, but there was not that relationship that we experience today. And here for the same time, his disciple, they received that indwelling of the Spirit. They were about to go some ministry and said, look, before you go, I'm going to, he, uh, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. For the first time, they received this indwelling of the Spirit, which is the same indwelling of the Spirit that we receive when we, when we decide to follow Christ. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And I wanted to make this clear because now we're going to speak a little bit about the baptism in the Spirit. I know that sometimes there's a bit of confusion here. Uh, and I know there are different people, different churches, maybe uh, you know, they uh, take this topic from different angles, different perspectives. So we'll try to clarify a, a few things as we go. But all what we said until now, remember, 
is the Holy Spirit indwelling us, children of God. We're not speaking about the baptism in the Spirit. We're speaking about the presence of God coming in our life the day when we decided to follow Christ. And now we're going to read something in Acts chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and verse 8. Acts chapter 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. By, and then verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then we quickly jump to, uh, to what I read at the beginning of the service, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. It's finally the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came down from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, if back in John chapter 20, we just read that Jesus breathed on his disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. Why then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit? Wait a second. If we're speaking about the simple, simply the indwelling of the Spirit, right? Then I really received it. You breathed on me. You said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in my life. So why now Jesus... Sometime later, I had to say, look, do not move from Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why he, you know, he said that is because he was speaking about a separate experience. He was not speaking about the indwelling of the Spirit when we believe in the presence of God comes and lives in our life, but he was specifically speaking about something different, a separate experience, something that had nothing to do with what his disciples had already experienced. When Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's something different. So it's like as well if you, that's the Bible app starting. <laughs> um, and then as well, so this is one element. And then there is a second element as well. We can see that um, Paul, uh, when he was um, in Ephesus, um, so we read in Acts 12, 1 to 7. Why Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they answered, We have not even heard that there is the Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized? Paul asked. The baptism of John, they replied. Paul explained, Baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 20 men in all. 
So again here is like, it's interesting because it says, Paul asked, um, so did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became a believer? So he was speaking to believers in Ephesus. He was speaking to Christians. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, we don't know such a thing. Wait, wait a second, but if when we believe, we receive the indwelling of the experience of, of the Holy Spirit, we, and we experience the Holy Spirit in our life, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, why was Paul pointing to something different? Why was Paul asking, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Of course, Paul knew that, you know, if it was speaking about the indwelling, he knew that they had already the Holy Spirit because he knew that they believed. He was speaking to the church, to the Christians in, Eph in, in Ephesus, but still he actually questioned, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Like he was speaking about something different, and they said, no, we didn't. And so then he went there, he prayed for them, he laid his hand. And the same thing that ha happened in Acts chapter 2, happen again they, they 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 started to speak in other tongues and i realized the people here got a bit freaky you know a bit like strange like what do you mean speaking in tongues like it's so strange it's so you know i can't i cannot understand well if we couldn't understand god completely we wouldn't be here probably today right it's like it's not about understanding 100 percent all what's going on but you know it's like something happened in acts chapter 2 that being filled with the Spirit is something as well as being, you know, throughout the book of Acts. And then you go in the, you know, in the, in the letters that you see that, you know, this repeating, a pattern that was repeating. People were receiving the Spirit and they were speaking in tongues. It was like the speaking in tongues, which simply means speaking another language, was the sign that they would experience something different than the, than the normal indwelling of the Spirit. So there are two different things. And a lot of people debate, yeah, no, you know, they were definitely two different things, but surely this was something that was just for the day of Pentecost. It was just for the moment, had nothing to do for the early church, had nothing to do with us today. And, you know, and I will try to, I'll try to make a point there, maybe, you know, something you never thought or considered. In Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 2, 38-39, this is Peter speaking. So after the Holy Spirit came on his, on the promise of the Holy Spirit came on his disciples, they were speaking in tongues, and they, they went out. And you remember, there was the, fir the first uh, sermon of Peter where thousands of people believed, you know, the very famous ser uh, sermon in the book of Acts. Um, and, and this is, you know, in these sermons, in these words that Peter was using, this is what he says. In Acts chapter 2, verses 38-39, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift. So again, he was referring here about the gift that Jesus spoke earlier on to his disciples. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. So Peter said, look, receive the Holy Spirit, receive this gift. And this what you are receiving now is not just for you, but it's for the children, the children of your children, the children of your children. For all generations until the ends of time, basically. And, until God will gather all the people that need to go with Him and, and, and everything will, will finish. You know, when the Lord will come back and, and you know, and, and, and put an end to, the, to this uh, world. You know, so Peter was already saying, look, this gift is not just for you, but it's for, you know, for all generations, for all time. A gift available for us today, for you and me. And, uh, you know, it's also, you know, the Bible is, is beautiful. It probably could be a, another sermon apart, but if you go in the Old Testament, 
there was an episode where the languages were involved. And this was in the Old Testament. You remember when there's a group of evil people decided to, very evil heart, decided to build a tower, a tower of Babel, because they wanted to reach God. Of course, they would have never been able to reach God, but God was looking at their hearts like they were like challenging God, not a good heart, right? So they start building this tower, and God probably was laughing from heaven, and then he played a trick on them. You remember the story? Suddenly, the Bible says that while they were building, people who, you know, they could all communicate in the same language before when they started to build this tower, suddenly they started to speak in different languages. Like, like no, I'm not speaking spiritual language. I'm speaking like different human languages, like different countries. And, and, and they couldn't understand each other anymore. And so that all the project of building this tower failed. But it is like, you know, there was a heart that was rebelling against God and God said, you know what? They were speaking together the same language, you know, because they were all there, you know, probably from the same region. They were all speaking together, but because there was pride in their hearts, God messed up their plans. And He caused them to speak in other languages so that they could understand each other. And then you go in the book of Acts, and it's the opposite. Actually, this time there is a group of people who were seeking for God, the, the disciples. And they were like, you know, you know, praying and praising God. And suddenly the Holy Spirit comes. But this time He gives a language, one language that will bring them together. And it's so much so that when they went out after being baptized in the Spirit, you know, in Jerusalem at that time, there were people that were coming from across everywhere in the, in the Roman Empire because it was the, the, was the celebration of the day of, of Pentecost, which was uh, called differently before. But that was one of the days that required all people to come in Jerusalem and to worship. So there were people who were coming from, from different parts of Europe, from different parts of the world. They couldn't, you know, they didn't speak the same language. But the Bible says that well, while they, were, they came out baptizing the Spirit, they heard like they were speaking their own languages. So you see, you know, again, you know, the Bible is beautiful because there are parallels in the Bible. So while where there is a pride heart, God comes down and He messed up the language. Then when there is a humble heart, God comes and gives something that will unite the church. You know, wherever you go in the world, you go in Italy, my country, you go in Germany, my wife's country, or whatever other country in the world, it's like we all speak different languages, we all speak, you know, we've got different cultures, but we, are, we all belong to Christ. And God has given something, a language that we can all share, that because it's something that comes from Him, a spiritual language, you know, the, you know uh, a language that it moves beyond beyond the barriers of culture. And it's, so it's like speaking another language. It's like, well, how, how does it work? You know, why is that important? Why is it even necessary? You know, Apostle Paul explains that when we speak another language in the Spirit, what we do, we edify ourselves. And do you know why we edify ourselves when we speak in other languages? Because sometimes we pray, but when we approach God, we've got so many filters in our mind. God, I want you to do that. But you, you, you cannot even finish your prayer. Would you heal? Would you provide? Would you do something in this situation? We haven't even finished our prayer, and there's already a question popping in our mind. He's not going to do that, is he? Can he do that? Have you ever found that? Pray for a healing. I'm going to pray for healing. Ah, oh, this is too desperate. No, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. We question. But when we speak in other languages, when we speak the language of the Spirit, because we take away our logic, our understanding, we open a channel with God. 
between our spirit, the spirit of God, that is not, you know, these obstacles, these questions are not there. It's just a, an open channel, you know, unfiltered between us and God, and that's why we manage through that to edify ourselves. So why is it important to receive the baptism in the Spirit? We kind of explain it's a separate experience. That is an experience that is for all generation. Why it is important for you today, for us today, to be filled with the Spirit. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, Look, you don't leave Jerusalem. Please stay in Jerusalem until you will receive the Holy Spirit. Because he will give you power. I mean, Jesus knew exactly what was waiting the early church. What was waiting the, his disciples. In the persecution, the pain, the killing, you know, for the sake of the gospel. He knew what they would have faced. That he even said to them, look, they've persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. So he said, look, I know that, you know, I'm going. Probably you are, you, you, you are eager to start speaking about me already now. But wait, you need to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. Because he will give you power to be witness. He will give you what you need in order to be effective as you speak about, when you speak about me to the people around you. He will give you the power to withstand what you're going to face. So Jesus was so clear. He said, look, don't move in Jerusalem. Don't move from Jerusalem. Stay there, please. Wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You need that power in order to function, in order to really to spread this message across the world. You need that. Don't move from Jerusalem. Stay there. A power that is, you know, when we speak about the power of the, you, know, you receive power, we're not speaking about like, uh, the superhero power, power, you know, flying Superman or Flash, running fast or, or doing crazy things, you know. We are speaking about the, the, the power of, of, to serve, the power to witness, a power to, uh, to withstand, you know, the, the, you know, what the enemy, when the enemy moves around us and he tries to, to do things, you know, to see what he's doing, to overcome our weaknesses. To change negative patterns in our life. Don't underestimate the power that, that comes from the baptism in the Spirit. You know, sometimes we feel stuck in our Christian life. I've experienced that in my life. Well, it was actually, you know, it's like my, my experience was very short because I was saved one day. I was baptized in the Spirit the, the, the following day. But, you know, I, I felt a change in my life. It's like from like, oh my goodness, I'm saved now. And I was thinking, I need to go back and to share uh, probably about Jesus with my schoolmates. Uh, what they're going to say, they're going to laugh. And then there was the first day, the second day I got baptized, and I was like, yes, I want to go. I don't care. I'm going to share about you. There was something in me that was, you know, it was not coming from me. And there are plenty of stories. I've seen 85 years old men in Italy, in my country, being baptized in the Spirit. 85 years old, sometimes we think, you know, once we get old, because we are too many, we are too much, you know, uh, you know, uh, our patterns are very um, established, we're very rigid, these things cannot happen. I've seen an 85 years old, old man being baptized in the Spirit, crying before God and walking out for that prayer meeting like a changed man. You know, it's like sometimes we think like, we need the Holy Spirit, I need to be good, I need to, be, to show, to prove something to God. I didn't have time to prove anything to God. I got saved one day and I was baptized the following day. God is not, is, is not after you showing something, try to, you know, to prove yourself that you are good, to be good enough, you know, before you, you, you receive the baptism in the Spirit. It's actually very often is when you are at your lowest point in your life that you experience the empowerment of the Spirit. 
is when you are in through, you are going through difficulties that you receive the empowering of the Spirit. And this man that was speaking about, 85 years old, you know, he got saved when he was 80. He got baptized in the Spirit when in his 80s, 85, about 85, can't remember exactly. And, and you know, he had a, a very difficult family situation. He had one son. He was very much into drugs. He was stealing from his parents. He destroyed his house. This man was about to kill himself before he gave his life to God. To God. And uh, it's a wonderful story. I've not got the time to, to tell you, to, um, to go into details here. But he was in, in a terrible situation, this man. For all his life, he had this son. and really taken away everything, all the money. He would go in from the garden shed, sell the tools because he had to buy drugs. And he was violent to his parents. And in that moment... He experienced that the, the you know the Holy Spirit. He was crying before God, and he was transformed. But you see, it's like do not underestimate the powers that comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we 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 get stuck in things like oh you know what is this you know speaking another language? It cannot be. It's just like sometimes we just need to drop our logic and and drop our way of how we measure God and how we think He should do things. Just be a blank canvas. You know what I said at the beginning of the service. Like just, God can do impossible things, right? Who are you to say, God, you cannot do that? So it's important to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise. Remember, they already had the Holy Spirit in them. Jesus breathed on them. They were already indwelled by the Spirit. So Jesus was not speaking about that kind of Holy Spirit presence, but he was speaking specifically about what was promised, you know, a different, a, a different experience, a different event altogether in their life. So how, how do we receive the baptism in the Spirit? There's no secret formula. Just ask. Like everything else God gives, you don't have to prove, you don't have to pay, you don't have to, to show anything. Just go before Him with a sincere and say, yes, Lord, I want to receive this gift. I want to be baptized in the Spirit. Do not get stung, uh, stuck, as I said before, with the tongues business. Just remove, you know, your logic as much as you can. Try to say, Lord, just do whatever you want to do in my life. And it doesn't matter where you are, you can receive it. Even if you're in a bad place, even if you're in a dark place. You can still receive it now as we speak. And uh, I want to do something now. As worship team, you can come here. We're just going to pray. I want you to stand and just close your eyes. You're not going to do anything crazy. Don't worry. Anything weird. You're not doing anything that you may, there is reason for you to be worried about. I just want to ask you, as I said before, just lift up your, 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 your hands. Keep your eyes closed. Hmm. You know, there is nothing worse in church than those who look around. <laughs> I always say, it's a joke. It's like, focus on God. Yeah, you are here for Him. You are here because He wants to do something in your life. And I want to invite you, invite you simply to, to ask for the Holy Spirit to come in your life. To fill your life. 
maybe you've been baptized already but you know sometimes there is, we need a refreshment of it we need a refreshment of, of the spirit in our life maybe you've been searching and praying for these and again it's not a problem if you're not going to be baptized today in the spirit it's not an issue you know sometimes we need to wait for things we need to trust the process what God is doing in the meantime as well so I don't want to put any pressure on you because you see sometimes it's like time pass by and we wait it's fine but simply I want to invite you just to open your heart just keep your hand open your heart and invite the Holy Spirit to come in your life invite the Holy Spirit to come in your life And, uh, you know, when the Holy Spirit came for the first time in His disciples, remember, they didn't know what to wait, what to expect. They didn't know what to expect, how to recognize the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit would come. So God made sure that they knew that that was the gift. There were tongues of fire. They heard the sound of a wind. They spoke in other languages. So they, they saw something. They saw the fire, the tongues of fire. They heard the sound of a wind and they spoke. Three of their senses were full engaged. And you know, when we approach God asking for the Holy Spirit, you know, people express this in different way. I felt like a worm, you know, building up in my heart. I felt like, you know, a sound. I felt like, you know, there, are, it, there is no formula really. It's like, I cannot tell you what you will feel. But I just want to invite you to open your heart. Raise your hands. And just start by worshiping God. Just say, thank you, Lord. You know, we, we, you know, just praise His name. Come on, praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Come on. You speak a lot every day. You complain a lot sometimes. You, talk, you like to talk to your friends, but yet you're, still, you're standing still here. Come on, call out for God. Say, Lord, I bless your name. Lord, I worship you. Open your heart. Open your heart to the Lord God. Lord, I praise your name. Lord, you are wonderful. Just praise God. Come on, God has so many reasons that he deserves to be praised for. For your life, for the way, he, the way how he provides. For salvation, for the eternal life that he's waiting for us. Just start by praising the name of Jesus. Come on, praise the name of your God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. We praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise your name, Lord God. Hallelujah. You are wonderful, Jesus. You are wonderful, God. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for giving your life for us, Jesus. Thank you because you haven't left us alone, but you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence in us, God, for how you guide us, for how you give, us, you give us strength when we need strength. For
for how you are there to support us when we fall, Lord, for, for be there in the moments of need. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the wonderful work that you do in our life. We thank you, Lord God, and forgive us, Lord, for how many times, Lord, we, we do things, we, we act in ways that, you know, are not right before you. We want to repent, we want to come before you, and we want to ask, wash us once again with your blood, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, we thank you, because in you there is forgiveness, in you there is, there is eternal life, in you there is love. Hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come among us today. Have your way among us. If, you this, if your heart is to, is to serve God in your life, I want to invite you to ask for the baptism in the Spirit. Remember, do not move from Jerusalem. You need power. And so I feel God is saying to some of you here, maybe there is a strong desire in your heart to serve Him. But Jesus is saying, look, you need power. I know what is waiting for you. I know the moments that will come across with your life, the moments where you will cry, where you will feel lonely, where you will feel that you don't deserve. I know what's coming. You need my power in your life right now today. So just Lift your hands and receive the gift of the Spirit today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise your name. Hallelujah. You are wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 And often it starts with one word. If you feel one word in your mind, just pronounce the word. Speak the word out. You know, there is no formula, there is no sentence, there is no uh, a strategy, there is no book. We cannot learn about it. It's just about up opening our hearts and receiving what God has prepared for us. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name, God. Hallelujah. You are wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are your wonderful God. We worship your name. You, we worship you, Lord. Do not allow your mind to stop God from doing what he wants to do in your life. Do not, um, do not allow, maybe you've grown up in a different background and they told you, no, it's not possible. Just for a moment, be you and God. Be open to receive from the Lord. You know, there is nothing painful, nothing weird, nothing strange, nothing crazy comes from God. All the things that come from God are good. There is no reason for you to be afraid. There is no reason for you to be concerned. The Holy Spirit is good. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you power to withstand. He wants to give you power to walk in your Christian life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name, God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you've been baptized in the Spirit already, just, you know, pray in tongues. Just speak in other languages. Don't worry about the person who is next to you. Come on. Let's, let's the Holy Spirit work in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 I believe that, you know, the Lord, just like he said to his disciples, do not move from Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Spirit. I feel that there is, the Lord is speaking to some of you here today. Do not move from this place. Do not walk out from this room until you receive the gift of the Spirit because you need the power that comes from me. I feel that God is, is ready for, to baptize you today and He's waiting for you to open your heart, to open your mind and just to let the Spirit do His work in your life hallelujah we thank you jesus we thank you lord god hallelujah oh she a baraka somebody came hallelujah jesus Hallelujah, 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 Jesus, hallelujah. We thank you, God, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, hallelujah. We praise your name, Jesus. You are wonderful, God. You are wonderful, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord God. Your word is wonderful, your promises are perfect. You are a good God. Holy Spirit, we praise you. Holy Spirit, we praise you. Hallelujah. Move on in this church. Move in our lives. Move in this town, in this country, in this land. Across the world, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, you look around you and it is clear that we are approaching a time in history that is unprecedented. You know, the level of sin and desperation and difficulties that is out there is, is, is at the lowest point ever and worst. I mean, it's like what you hear, what people say, what we see around us. We're really, you know, we are entering a time you know, Jesus says in the last day will be like in the day of Noah. That the, the, the world got crazy to the point where God had to put an end to everything and send a flood. And so as well, you see, as the, as the day of the coming of the Lord is approaching, the Bible speaks that you will see things happening. You will see wars and rumor of wars 
and you will see, you know, you know, people who love, you know, life driven by the money, and you will see the evil will be called good, and the good will be called evil, and you know, you will see all these things. And I believe that we're really entering a time in history where we need the power of the Spirit. Listen, it's not about just being saved and just having a few years together and then going to heaven, but it's about saving a world, you know, showing to a world out there that is dying that Christ has given his life for them so it's about withstanding you know i can see persecution coming in the next 20 years i can see that it's going to be it's going to become more and more difficult to speak and stand for the truth of god is already happening so it's, it's not i'm not saying this because i'm a prophet i'm just doing two plus two you know i can see that coming and i believe that you need the power the church of christ needs the power of the holy spirit like never before in history and I want to really to encourage you to seek for this gift. Not to be discouraged if you feel like you're not receiving it. Just keep on praying for it. Every day when you, when you spend time with God, ask, ask. And He is a good Father. He knows you know, how to give us and when to give us the good things at the right time. Trust God. And if you are baptized in the Spirit, when you spend time with the Lord... Pray, use other languages, just spend the time with God, you know, to edify yourself. You know, sometimes Christian, yeah, I was baptized in the Spirit 40 years ago, but now because my mind is so much like, you know, so dogmatic about everything, it's like I cannot even remember what he's speaking in tongues, it's just everything is like black and white. But you know, be refreshed with the Spirit, exercise as you pray. You need that for your own edification, you need that power. To withstand a dying world that is going to come after you and me in the next years. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we need more of you. More of your power in our life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are wonderful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord God, we thank you for today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in us. We thank you for all the good things that come from you, God. And we pray, Lord God, for the week ahead, Lord. We just pray for your protection, Lord. We pray that uh, you will be always with us, Lord, as we walk in our everyday life, Lord. The people that we talk to, Lord God, always help, help, always help us to be a light for them, Lord, to show them about you, about your love. We thank you, God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, before you go, uh, hold on a second. I just uh, want to mention two final things. Um, first of all, now, well, you can sit down. Yes, you can sit down. <laughs> now, you probably all like to enjoy a cup of coffee at the end of the service. And if you're like me, probably you liked coffee from the machine. You used to like what was coming from the machine. We used to have a problem that was always uh, the waiting time was very long and, uh, you know, uh, the coffee was not never coming out the same uh, depending on whoever was operating the machine when I was doing it a few times or uh, other people, you know. So we tried to simplify the whole process and we got a new coffee machine. <laughs> so it is a bean to cup coffee machine. It does a good coffee. Okay, uh, and uh, is, is quicker than what used to, to, do, to be before, much quicker. So I would like to invite you to, uh, to have a taste of our new coffee. 
is for free for today, just the calf. It's very quick, yeah, 30 seconds per drink, so we, the queue is going to move very quickly. So just enjoy a cup of coffee, cappuccino, latte, whatever you want, hot chocolate is wonderful. Uh, feel free to do that. Now, for those who wanted to give by cards, the, the card machine was not working during the service, it's working now. Please go and see Liana at the end. She's sitting there. Can you wave your hand, Liana? Yeah, she's there. Uh, feel free to give. We are still collecting for Uganda, so if, you're, if you would like your donation of, or part of your donation to go to Uganda, just mention it to her so she can keep track of uh, where the money uh, will go, okay? So don't forget to mention that. Enjoy a cup of coffee. God bless you. See you next week. <laughs>